Episode 303, Jason Hewitt. Brandon Enlightenment. Welcome. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, former teacher and athlete, now turned lifestyle entrepreneur, best-selling off, keynote speaker, and host of the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Get to the podcast. I'm getting to it, Adam. As usual, please do head over to ayalpha.com to connect with the show, connect with me, and really get all the exclusive stuff and what it's all about. The easiest and most interactive way is, men, please do head over to Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW, and basically connect with like-minded individuals. And that's what it's really all about. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. Right, this week it's all about branding. We have Jason Hewitt on the line. And as I say, we're going to talk about Brandon, Brandon enlightenment, and we're going to talk about what exactly is that. He's a former Navy guard. He's a friend. I was going to say former friend. No, that's not right. He's a friend. I met him at PodFest. We hung out. He's a good dude. So that's one of the, again, main criteria to get on the podcast. He's going to tell us all about branding. We're going to dig into that. Firstly, Jason, are you ready to awaken your alpha? I am. I am. That was a very brief intro. Is there anything else you want to put across like you feel like it's missed out? What are you all about at the moment? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, if I don't mention this, I would be remiss. Uh, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Um, my wife and I have been married uh, 17, going on 18 years, and uh, we have three beautiful uh, little nasty creatures that roam around our house and eat all our food. <laughs> <laughs> I have a 12-year-old uh, son and daughters that are 10 and 9. Uh, that's that's really at the core of everything that I do, my family. Um, and and out from that, my my role in business is in branding and design and business consulting. But um, you know that's that's uh, that's the only piece that I would add to that. And I hope never to be a former friend. I yeah we're <laughs> we're, we're 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 bros. Yeah, we're just we're getting started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your brand or your business is called Illustrator. Um, what exactly does that mean? And, you know, where does it come from? Uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, the, the word uh, in Latin, illustrata, is the word that we get the words illustration and illustrator from. Illustrata means enlightenment. It means to, to bring clarity to something. Um, it was the word that the that the Romans used to describe the process of clarifying. And if you think about um, that word in context, think back to like the, the Middle Ages when really the only people that were literate were scholars and most of the scholars were religious scholars. It was the job of an illustrator to read a religious text and then to interpret what the story was was that was going on and illustrate provide a drawing to interpret that written text into something that an illiterate person could look at and see basically to illustrate the bible or illustrate a religious text to show what was going on that's the process it's an interpretive process of taking information in different forms and translating it to appeal to the right audience Oh, this is good stuff. I see we're going to get Doug straight into this. So before we're too far in, just tell us a little brief bit about your origins. Um, I mentioned there you were in the Navy. Where are you coming to us from today? Where are you originally from? Just And then we're going straight back into branding, branding. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, right out of high school, I joined the Navy uh, and saw a lot of uh, D.C. 
and not much else. I uh, right out of boot camp went into the Presidential Honor Guard in Washington D.C. Uh, fantastic experience. Uh, saw the inner workings of the the United States and the military right from the core. Um, I spent some time wow. at the Pentagon um, doing public affairs and and really really got to see and do some amazing things. Um, but all the time that I was in D.C., you know, marching and, and conducting funerals and giving tours of the Pentagon, all that stuff, the ceremonial stuff, believe it or not, nobody will pay you to do that outside of the military. <laughs> so <laughs> the, I was trying to become an illustrator draftsman in the Navy, and I didn't accomplish that before I got out. But after four years, I transitioned um, into website design. Yeah. And that was the mid to late 90s. Um, there was something called the dot-com boom going on right before yeah. what was called the dot-com bust. <laughs> None of us knew that was coming. But I got into web design when everybody was getting into web design and parlayed what I had developed as a, a, a creative skill. I just basically had to learn how to draw on the computer. Yeah. I had learned how to do art and design and drawing for decades. But in 97, 98, um, I started building out from web design into other parts of graphic design and uh, really working with companies to build out the entire image of their business. And that kind of turned into what it is today especially with your experience in the Navy. And like you say, it was a real honor and privilege to do some of the things you did. Was there ever a point where you thought going to be a life or what made you obviously change your path dramatically? Yeah, that's uh, wow. That's a great question too. Um, when I joined the Navy, I, I anticipated doing it for a career. Uh, I wanted to, to learn to fly. I wanted to be a pilot. I didn't go to college. I went right out of boot camp into the Navy and I didn't, really put together that you have to first go to college, then get a commission to ever become a pilot. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I was going to take the route of joining air crew. Uh, that is the, the enlisted personnel aboard an aircraft. Uh, I was going to be a rescue swimmer, uh, do that whole thing. And in boot camp, I realized uh, like 3.45 in the morning, doing uh, laps in the pool with the, the SEAL graduates that had come from BUDS that were basically uh, conditioning us for air crew training, doing, uh, I think we were singing Gilligan's Island uh, and row, row, row your boat, treading water with our hands out of water to prepare us for air crew swimming and, and that kind of training. I realized I don't really like swimming all this much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I liked swimming, but this sucks. Uh, one thing led to another and I was recruited. There were two people out of about, I don't know, five or 600, um, the, the, the month that we graduated boot camp that were recruited into the honor guard. It was me and my very good friend at the time. Uh, actually still, he's, he's also not a former friend, but uh, <laughs> Rob and I went to DC together. We went through I was uh, gonna say, for something like that. I mean, 
were you just a very good looking chap? What, how did, how did, like you say, two in 600 or, or did, did you have a particular walk or what, what is that? Cause I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, take a look at me. I'm best <laughs> this uh, is a shame. This is an audio podcast, but yeah, yeah. you just have to imagine. Um, that's a, you know what? I, I never thought about it that way. I mean, you, you, there were physical standards you had to meet height yeah. and weight and, and that kind of thing. There was also security standards you had to be able to qualify for uh, a top secret clearance for presidential access and that um single scope background investigation takes the better part of a year uh, yeah wow not everybody can qualify i don't i don't know exactly what they were looking for but they recruited to everything (laughs) yeah they looked at everything and they picked two of us and that led to a group of about 20 that went through training together and they I think at any time there are about 200, 220 honor guardsmen in the Navy. Yeah. So whatever. That's, wow. that's where I ended it's, up. Yeah, it's a big, yeah, big Navy. Um, so, I mean, once you're out of the, the military and you're now sort of, let's say you're into web design around this sort of era, when did you feel like actually, I mean, it sounds like you was always in that creative and you kind of knew what you wanted to do around sort of illustrations and, you know, that sort of thing. But when did it feel like you really found a vehicle or you found a way to put your best expertise out there and, you know, run your own business. Was there any awakening moment closer to recent times? Yeah. So I built a, I I unintentionally built a business um, out of doing parts and pieces and anything you'd hire me to design, I'll do. Uh, Oh, you saw somebody else's business card and you want one like that. Okay. That'll be this much. Or you saw a website until about i think it was uh 2009 or 10 i got really burned out yeah um i i still loved the creative work and i loved the process of delivering a result and seeing a client happy but i was attracting the wrong kinds of clients that didn't want to pay what it was worth and they wanted to push back on everything and they they felt like they knew better Mm -hmm. so i hired a business coach And one of the first things that my business coach told me was, you suck at sales. (laughs) You're you're horrible at sales. You're selling in spite of that, but you're bringing in the wrong clients. And you don't understand the value of what it is that you really do. So we can fix those things. And within a week or two, I was in sales training um, and working through a process with my coach to, to recraft the offering. Yeah. And one thing that changed was I stopped writing proposals. I stopped giving away a plan of you, you should do these 15 or 20 things. Yeah. I stopped charging by the hour. I stopped charging. Yeah, that's huge. Things. Yeah. Uh, I, I started calculating the, the, a projected return on the investment that a client would make with me. So if you, if you want to, generate this much money, if you truly believed I could help you make, you know, $250,000 in the next five years, would you pay me X to do that? And once I, once I saw that it was holistic and connected, yeah, that I could consult people on success, it changed everything. Yeah. It completely reframes it. That's awesome. We're going to dig into what is a brand to you? Oh, uh, a brand. I think we might have touched it slightly there as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, that's a great question because it's misunderstood. And you ask, 
even 20 different designers and you're going to get 30 different answers. Um, but everybody in business has a brand, whether they know it or not, whether they do anything with it or not, because the brand, the, the definition I like to use is that the, a brand is the collection of perceptions or feelings that people have about you as a person, your organization, your products and services, and how they interact with them. So a brand can be good, it can be bad, it can be, they can be indifferent to it, but the brand is how people feel about you and mm. your products and services. It's definitely not your logo or your colors or your website, yeah. or all the visual elements that I spend so much time doing. Yeah, and I like, I, I like the emphasis you put there. It's just, I went a bit quiet because I was just thinking to myself, it's not what you want to put out there, it's you know, what other people think and feel about you, which I think is huge. I'm just starting to think, I need to start asking people some questions. <laughs> that's, that's huge. I definitely want to keep on the branding thing, but I, I'm just curious as well, that sort of background of being in the Navy and you know, going straight in from 17, in terms of mental toughness, I'm always interested in that because that's kind of like your foundation, your groundwork as a young man coming into everything you do now. What do you think of the elements that you still you feel like you're almost using daily or that you served you really well? The first thing that you triggered as a memory was this standard that, that we learned uh, from day one in training for the honor guard, you know, all the things that I hated in boot camp, all the marching and all the precision and all of the, the attention to detail was what I made a job out of for two and a half years in the honor guard. Um, but at a completely different level at like the, the world's most elite level. Yeah. And what that taught me attention to detail is an understatement. The standard was good enough is not good enough. What, what other people would say is, eh, that's good enough. That's not our standard. You, you had better not even show up to do your job unless you are perfectly ready to go out and do the best job possible because the world is watching. And in a way, I feel like I've, I've um, indelibly marked my own brain, maybe brainwashed myself <laughs> with that standard. Um, I, I am a perfectionist to some degree, the work that I produce for my clients, it has to pass my standard. If it can pass my standard, if I'm happy with it, I have no problem pleasing them or, or reaching the audience they want to reach. So, yeah. So, I mean, around branding as well, I mean, what to you, when someone see, I, we said about ideal clients, I mean, if someone just said, right. They, they obviously want to get a result. And I'm sure that in theory, to a certain extent, working with a client long-term is the ideal scenario because there's always going to be new challenges. But how long would you ideally work with someone to get a, you know, a really decent result for them? The way that I work is um, completely holistically. I don't, I don't do parts and pieces. Yeah. If I work with you, it's all or nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, so what that means is uh, if you've ever seen any of the shows on TV like Bar Rescue or Restaurant Impossible or even Marcus Lemonis is the prophet. That's very similar to what I do. Um, minus a lot of the screaming and yelling and cussing, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff for, for cameras. But the transformational process, first of all, a business that needs someone like me to help them must come to the point where they realize that everything that they're doing isn't working. It's it, whether they're succeeding or they're failing, if they want to grow beyond what they're doing now, they need to bring in somebody that knows better than them. 
for my clients, I am that person. There's no arguing. There's no, uh, I don't negotiate with them. Mm -hmm. My way is the way. My job is to interpret who it is that they are trying to reach or should be trying to reach. And to, once we identify those groups of people, to find the most efficient, most effective way of emotionally compelling those people to come and spend time and money for my products and services. That's my job when I'm interpreting a brand. It's not to make the owner happy. Yeah. The owner will be happy when their business is succeeding. And what, I, what I've learned to do really well is to connect what their ideal customer desires to an authentic message that feels proper to the business leader. Yeah. And when you connect those two, you've got a passionate business leader again with a passionate client that can't wait to spend time and money. You put them together and they're, they're match made in heaven. That's very different than what I learned to do, you know, writing proposals and asking permission to, to change this or that. What are some of the, the, key mistakes or, you know, some, a classic mistake that clients come to you with, or just you see out there in the world, social media or wherever mistakes around branding that you just think, Oh, it's a schoolboy error. The number one limitation that every brand faces, um, is that the, the brand was created or designed or developed in the, the state of ego of the owner, meaning when they started a business or when they went through this latest revision or whatever it was, wherever they, wherever they got to where they're at now, they did it in a state where they thought, well, this, I'm the expert in my business and I know best. So I'm going to do what I feel like is best. We all do it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I did it. Guilty. <laughs> yeah. I did it in my own business. When I met my, my business coach, Wade, my business was called Jason works. And I spent every day, I, I thought that my best offering was the fact that I was combining high-level graphic design with high-level website design. Oh, and by the way, I also do photography. So I was taking those three services and kind of meshing them together mm. like clockworks, except, except I spelled it W-O-R-X, and I thought, that's clever. Until... <laughs> <laughs> Every day I spent describing, no, 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 it's W-O-R-X. <laughs> no, not S, X as in X-ray. <laughs> because I, I thought I put something out that was clever to me. Yeah. And I had to explain it to people because they didn't get it. It wasn't right for them. The, the second part of that was my business was named after me. Mm. It was all about me. That's the most common error that I find is that the brand image is either too um, blunt, it's a description of a service, which is not emotional, um, or it is named after the business owner or leader that's not emotional. Mm-hmm. It is not about the customer and what they want. And if you don't connect with the customer emotionally, there's no reason for them to buy from you because they're just buying a commodity. Yeah. That's, as you call it, the schoolboy error that most, most of us <laughs> just make. Good. I, well, I think that'd be useful just anyone who's actually, you know, who's listening to this will hopefully be running that, that filter through it, all and everything they've done, maybe in their past or what they're currently doing. Hopefully not just completely the flip side, but what do you think 
elements where that you you probably you put in place or you just think that is a solid brand you can see why a business is doing well because of xyz and you're just thinking nice branding anytime that there is a a message that maybe it doesn't occur to me right away what it is on the surface but it causes me to be intrigued and mm. to wonder what the backstory is um that that kind of a brand has staying power it it becomes part of me um and that's really what we want in a brand for instance the uh you ever heard of uh pequod or pequod coffee tea and spice company no it's the largest coffee retailer in the world you drink coffee Whoa. yeah i love my you coffee don't know, you don't know pequod no <laughs> Totally, totally. I'm a weirdo, but I'm a proper coffee. I'm gonna have to look into this. If I get this, could be my thing. From I'll put links on the show notes. Well, so, so get this: three guys, an English professor, a history professor, and a journalist. All three buddies yeah. loved coffee. They were passionate about coffee. One of them would drive from Seattle north to Vancouver to buy artisan roasted coffee beans. He was that passionate about yeah. coffee. A friend of theirs taught them how to roast coffee beans and they thought, oh, oh hell, why don't we just start doing this ourselves yeah. and maybe we can make a little side business out of this. And so they did. They started roasting and selling coffee beans. And if there's one place in the world where that should be done, it's Seattle. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> but this place was branded Pequod's. And, and I'm, you can't see, none of you listening can see the look on Adam's face. But yeah, it's I'm like, just like... <laughs> Just, just quite short of scratching his head. like In brackets, confused man. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the reason they named it Pequods, it's spelled P-E-Q-U-O-D-S, was they were passionate about literature. And the Pequod or Pequod yeah. is named after the whaling vessel in Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Uh. So they were trying to relate this emotional backstory to what they were romantically inclined to to love and, and understand, but it didn't resonate with their audience. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's quite an obscure so, reference. Yeah. <laughs> they knew that, but when they rebranded, they, they changed the name just slightly by changing it from the name of the ship to the name of the first, the chief mate aboard the Pequod, who was named Mr. Starbuck. <laughs> Ah, boom! That's that's what I feel like. Joey and friends now. (laughs) (laughs) Clink the penny drops. (laughs) That that backstory, not not the story of how how Pequod became Starbucks, but what Starbucks means, is is not entirely necessary for them to portray that image. But the reason there's there's a complete difference between the sound of the word Pequod, which is based on the Pequot Indian tribe. And unless you know that kind of very finite history, there's no connection with it compared to this uh, otherworldly concept of Starbuck. And what does that mean? And it just, it just sounds different. It plays better um, imaginarily. It just works differently. And that made all the difference in their brand. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Oh, I love I love that. <laughs> I love that story. As a, as a coffee guy, I've learned something now. <laughs> That's, That's actually episode one on my podcast, History of the Brand. 
when someone has, in theory, you know, got a strong backstory or got a strong potential brand, I'm going to say, so they yeah. may think, I've got a great brand that I know about, or in theory, that the core pieces are in place. It's all there. It's, it's only a good brand if people know about it or a good story if people know about it. What are you, some, some effective ways you think to communicate that? Well, first and foremost, you have to have a good product and or service. The product is less important to me. When I'm working with a client that has a business that's based on a product, I have to show them the perspective that it's not the product that's for sale. It's the delivery of the service in giving that product. Meaning, mm. <clears throat> let's, let's take something completely abstract for, for a moment, like a, an insurance broker. Let's say that there's, uh, you know, you want to open Walker Insurance Associates or something, and you're going to sell property and casualty insurance. There, there are a bazillion yeah. guys just like you that somebody can go to. And even in the most rural destination that you can point to on a map, there is somebody within one phone call that is selling the exact same product that you sell and may or may not be for the same price or similar so why should I buy from you? Well, people buy from those that they know, like, and trust. And until they know, like, and trust you, you have to have something more than just the product for sale. Yeah. You have to have the experience of buying the product and the fulfillment of that, of that delivery. That's really more for sale. That's what your brand is about. Now, if you don't have a solid product or you don't deliver good service, you're dead in the water because somebody like me, I can make you look like a million dollars. And as soon as that wears off and they yeah. see that there's nothing behind that, they're, they're never going to come back to you and that bad news will travel fast. But the, the best thing for someone to do to set themselves apart once they have a good product, good service is to investigate what their, what their customer is about. Mm -hmm. Find out who their ideal customer is, where they're doing life, and just, it's kind of like fishing. Give the fish the bait they want to eat. Don't try to feed them, you know, filet mignon. That's yeah. not what fish like. They don't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They like worms and other stuff that we don't eat. Just find what they want and give it to them. Boom. So we're just going to do a little alpha round to wrap, start right. wrapping things up. Is there a particular quote or ethos, almost like a motto that you like to live your life by or one that just springs to mind when some English guy asked you this question? <laughs> oh, there, are, there are several. Uh, my favorite author is Richard Bach. Uh, and he wrote uh, a, a couple of quotes that stand out. One is, let me make sure I don't butcher this quote. <laughs> There's no such thing as a problem without a gift in its hands. You seek problems because you need their gifts. So that's kind of the way that I look at life is the problems that occur to me, I bring them into my life. Mm -hmm. They're here to teach me a potential lesson and I either learn it now or I get to learn it over again. <laughs> gifts are what I perceive to take, take away from those. Um, what else? I like that. I, well, I think you give me enough of that and that sounds close right. enough to me that I'll find when I, in the show notes, uh, I think that I'll find that. I'm sure that will pop out the exact one. But. Perfect. Awesome. Is there a particular book? You mentioned that's for your, uh, one of your favorite authors. Is there a particular book? It doesn't have to be your favorite one, but it was maybe impactful for you or one that you like to gift or recommend to people? Uh, same author. Mm -hmm. 
is uh, book Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. It's a a brilliant story about um, he is the protagonist in his own book. He's a a barnstorming pilot in the Midwest United States during a summer and meets another pilot who just so happens to have been the Messiah who decided, I don't want to be the Messiah anymore, but he knows everything about the universe and how to control it and um, kind of teaches him the ways of being the Messiah. Wow. That's well. I always like a new recommendation. Sometimes we get like multiple of the same books. Never had that one in over 300 <laughs> episodes. There we go. Um, again, if there isn't one that springs to mind, just let, let's, not, let's not have one here. But is there a particular book that you think is just, you know, solid that for bra- around, because we've been talking so much about branding that you just think this is, you know, a core book? Around branding specifically. Um, and as I say, if it doesn't exist, because it may be, you know, you've, from your journey, all these different books and just things you've done that has kind of got you to this point, if there's not a kind of a book to recommend that you're, com- you're confident with that don't No, do one, one that springs to mind that is uh, surprising, uh, and I, I was reluctant to even crack it open for a long time, was Branding for Dummies. Mm. Um, and I was reluctant to crack it open for my own ego because yeah. I thought, I already know all this. Well, most of the stuff in the book I already know mm-hmm. because that's the business I'm in. But the way it lays it out for someone who is approaching what branding is, or especially a business that knows that they need to make a shift, there is a process and an explanation and it's, it's, it's very well put together. Don't be confused by the title. Mm. Uh, it's an articulate book that represents a very good way to go through a process of branding or rebranding a business. And it's just the, from the, for dummies. I like that. I like that. And I suppose specifically from your point of view as well, like we talked about putting yourself in the customer's shoes and communicating with them, you know, because you're actually obviously going to have to explain processes to people who are potentially either working with you or who are working with you. So that's, um, you know, so you've got to, that's, that's good for the clarity. Who do you recommend? Who springs to mind when you think that would be a good um, that would be a good interview for the podcast? And awaken your alpha. This person from your network springs to mind, and they can give some value. Two people, um, two probably different extremes. One, uh, Chris Kermitzos. If you haven't talked to him, oh, I have, I have. Yep, he's <laughs> um, good. So for everyone listening, I'll link that show note. He is um, the founder of uh, Podfest. That's where we yes. met, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, the creator of uh, the Messengers documentary on podcasting. So he's, yeah, he's huge constantly, in podcasting. Constantly yeah. doing other things. He yeah. he runs the Florida Podcasters Association. Yeah, he's got all sorts, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, another is Garrett J. White. Yeah, uh, we, we I, spoke about this. I remember we spoke about it. And you know that I've had him on the podcast. But I do. it was, like you say, it was right in the early days. So closing in on, well, three and a half, it'd be by the time, if I could get, if I could get him back on, it'd be probably around four years i'd imagine yeah and i can tell you garrett (laughs) garrett changes uh direction faster than anybody i've ever met um and in in the most profound and prolific way um he he has changed so much since i met him Mm. uh in 2015 that uh it's i don't know anybody who's more effective at at creating positive change um so i it would be really cool to be interested to yeah to compare the 
and almost like you say, I think you said this when we spoke, like compare the interviews. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What's the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more about branding and, and you? Well, they can certainly reach out directly to me. Um, by all means, uh, send me an email, jason at illustratabrands.com. Um, they can reach out on Facebook. A lot of people do that today. Uh, they can find me on uh, my personal page is just Jason Hewitt. Um, my business page is Illustrata Brands. Uh, and uh, my podcast is History of the Brand. Sounds like this could be a, a dummy question from my point of view, but where did that come from? How does that fit into everything you're doing? What I say in the intro of the show is that it's, it's the place where I reveal the myths, the legends, the tall tales, and the little known historical facts about how the great brands that we know and love originally came to be. So just like the story that I shared about mm -hmm. Pequod's Coffee, Tea, and Spice Company, yeah. I tell the story from a historical point of view. I tell the backstory about how a brand started because that fascinates me. Yeah. And it, I used to use these in a different podcast as little anecdotal references for here's why you should do this or why you should consider this. Yeah. Here's how somebody made a big mistake and here's what they did to fix it. And that became the podcast in itself. And I do that. I'm very inspired by Paul Harvey from the seventies and eighties when I was growing up. He used to have a, a show that would come on in drive time in the afternoon called The Rest of the Story, uh, Okay, um, where he would tell you this historical thing and it would be revealed in a mystery. And it wasn't until the last 10 or 15 seconds of this, this soliloquy that he was delivering where you understood what it was. Hey, you, you, did, you did that to me on the Starbucks story. I, I now yeah. see, see, it's all coming together now. <laughs> well, that's how I format the stories, just well, like you he just, did. I hope, I hope to be... You just, nailed it. You nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> so, and, and it gives me a chance to research what's behind these brands that we, you know, we commonly know of today, but how they came to be. And it's, I, I just find that stuff fascinating. So that's, that's the, the bulk of, of what I do in my podcast. It's just little stories. It's just me telling the stories. Quality. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure today, Jason. Thank absolutely. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to reconnect. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Head over to Facebook, Awaken Your Alpha with ALW to join a great group of men in there. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review, it'll help get him off my back.